to the Parenting Decolonized podcast. I'm your host, Yolanda Williams, entrepreneur, conscious parenting coach, and single mom to one amazing toddler. I'm on a mission to help shine the light on how colonization has impacted the Black family structure. If you're a parent that wants to learn how to decolonize your parenting, you're in the right place. Let's do this. Welcome back to the Parenting Decolonized podcast. I am here today with Lawrence, um, who is a former police officer and a fellow Black podcaster, and I really, and, a, you know, a father of, you know, some Black children. So I wanted to get <laughs> on this show because, as y'all know, I think it's really important to have men in on this conversation when we discuss parenting, decolonizing parenting, conscious parenting, any kind of parenting, men need to be a part of this because um, they should be. <laughs> so thank you so much for being with me today, Lawrence. Oh, thank you for having me. It really is a pleasure. I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to the conversation. Usually I, I'm the one doing the interviewing. So it's, yeah. it's fun to be on this side <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird sometimes though. Right, right, right. Um, can you just introduce yourself to the audience? Sure. Uh, I am Lawrence. Uh, I live in Connecticut. I am a former police captain. I now host a podcast called Captain Hunter's Podcast. I was a police officer for 20, 24 years, uh, spent mm-hmm. 19 years as a supervisor and or manager. Um, upon exiting law enforcement, uh, I ended up retiring uh, in, in good standing. If anybody's wondering, I retired in good standing. And I was listening to podcasts and I decided, hey, you know, if somebody could talk about how to apply makeup and all kind of other kind of stuff, I said <laughs> to myself, uh, I have something to say. And I saw the uh, the uh, breakdown between the police and the black community. And I said, you know what, I want to try to be one who kind of stands in that gap, tries to bridge that gap, bridge that divide between the black community and uh, the police. And so that's yeah. what my podcast is all about. I am the father of uh, two of my own children, biological children. I did raise a stepson. Uh, I also have another a stepson who's a little bit older. You know, I, I all my kids are, uh, are grown and uh, moving out the house and moving on with life. And I'm really uh, glad to be here because I wish that I had known about uh, parenting decolonized and decolonized thinking before, uh, or at least while I was uh, bringing up my own kids. I was certainly had some level of consciousness, Mm -hmm. but nowhere near to the level that I am today. I really uh, am am proud and glad and proud to be here and glad about what you're doing. I think it's very important. I think it's very important. Thank you so much. I get that a lot. And and I wish my mom had had it, you know, and her mom had had it. And I think a lot of people don't know what they don't know. And just understanding that there's room to grow in this space. You know, if you come in here and it's your first time listening and you don't know what the heck decolonizing parenting or conscious parenting is, it's just, you know, we are trying to unpack all the years of trauma, um, all the ways that colonization and enslavement have impacted Black families. Um, I think we don't have this conversation enough because a lot of fingers are being pointed. And I think if we do enough research, they they are, they usually lead back to the, the same place. And, you know, you being a police officer, I wanted to have this conversation with you because I have... I have a strong loathing. Okay. <laughs> I'm not even going I get it. You know? Listen, I, I get it. I, I really get it. 
It's very I, difficult I, for me to trust I, police officers. I, I totally understand. And that's why I'm trying to do what I'm trying to yeah. do. I had a, a conversation with uh, on my podcast with uh, a couple of ladies from the Fruit Loops podcast. And they were excited to be on. And then one of the ladies let me have it. She actually kind of took over my show, which, but in a good way. Mm-hmm. And I, I get it. I, I, I really do understand um, the, the complexity that the Black community has yeah. with the police. So. When you, so you were a captain for all these years. So you, you know, I'm sure you have to work your way up, right? To captain, you were, um, when you were a police officer, was there more community policing? Like, I guess, I guess what we're seeing these days, especially in, you know, lower income space uh, places is that there's not any community policing anymore. It's just policing. It's very rough policing. And, um, a lot of what it feels to be I don't know I don't know if targeting is the word but at least just a lot of biases and um and those biases are getting people killed and hurt and so that's where that's where my anger comes from I haven't I've only dealt with one when I was an adult um a police officer he was actually a a Mexican police officer in Southern California who pulled me over for literally no reason um he was suspicious because i drove off too fast and uh made me get out the car and put my hand on his hood i'm just like what the hell's going on here you know i didn't do anything and um and then like threw my my license at me and was like get out of here just treated me like i wasn't a person and i was just like okay (laughs) um like this is ridiculous so i i think when it comes when i talk about police officers i don't think that i think you know, we, we see the face of police officers being like a white person. Right. But I also feel like there is just a a general problem within the police community when it comes to um, black indigenous people of color, um, no matter what their race is. I've black people are police officers because you are one and they've had problems with other black people who are police officers. It just feels like there's a power struggle here. And so I want us to talk about like how we can, get through that and then also like how can we prepare our children when they're dealing with police officers i don't want my child to be afraid but i also want her to be knowledgeable you know yeah that's kind of a heavy question uh so yeah (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i did uh try to start at the top here i did work my way up through the police department and uh there are there is uh, testing uh, processes for my particular department uh, other police departments, and, which is one of the biggest problems, is that other police departments do not have the same methods of advancement and or getting on specialized units, whether it's mm-hmm. tactical narcotics teams or dive teams or uh, SWAT teams or whatever. So that 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 becomes part of the problem, right? Uh, there's 18,000 uh, police departments of some nature, you know, ranging from one or two officers. Uh, in some rural town to all the way up to the largest in New York City uh, and uh, LAPD, which are, you know, thousands of people. So within that uh, dynamic are all types of people, all types of uh, of philosophies about policing. Uh, So you asked about um, community policing. Mm -hmm. Um, Community policing has been something that people have tried to do, but for some reason it has not stuck. And that has been the problem, right? I think there's a lot of reasons, uh, most of them uh, logistical, uh, financial, why the reason, why they haven't stuck. I'll give you an example. Um, uh, The police department that I was was at, uh, we tried to do something where uh, uh, the officers would uh, spend at least a half an hour uh, 
getting out of their cars, walking through parks and talking to kids and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was just a routine daily patrol. But unfortunately, uh, even though we tried to implement that, it never stuck because we just didn't have time to do it. Um, so that, that was, that was a big problem. And so we did have a a dedicated community officer program or Mm -hmm. officers, but what does that do when a person like yourself was pulled over and talked to rough, right? So I can be a a nice cop who gives out candy at the schools and you see me every day, uh, as a community relations officer. Uh, but what about the police officer who's on patrol and pulling people over for pulling off too fast or because they have a broken taillight? And what stops that particular officer from behaving badly or behaving rudely? Uh, and so that that's where the breakdown happens at. Um, so, yeah, so I, we have a problem with uh, how we are viewed in this country. We understand that from every aspect. And of course, the police officers are just another aspect of how police are, of how the community at large and the country at large views black people. And as long as black people are viewed as uh, negative burdens of society, uh, welfare moms, um, and all this kind of stuff, then this this presents a problem. And of course, the police officers take those prejudices, take those implicit bias, on their job and they think that, okay, here's a woman uh, who is stopped, uh, who I see, and I'm going to pull her over and I'm going to treat her roughly, get her out the car. That happened to you. Uh, Unfortunately, it happened to Sandra Bland. And these are, uh, many many times, we think that they should be some type of allies to black people, right? They're Mexican officers uh, or or Puerto Rican officers or Hispanic officers, let me just say it like that. The officer uh, who killed Fernando Castillo in uh, Minnesota was of Hispanic descent. Uh, so this problem isn't relegated to white officers. Right. Uh, it's not relegated to Hispanic officers. Right now we are seeing uh, in places like uh, uh, Baltimore, and I don't w- want to just pick on officers, but but we're seeing that black officers are now being a, a problem uh, when it comes to their performance and behaviors when they are planting drugs on people. And, and this is what's going on in Baltimore. Uh, they're planting drugs. They are uh, planting guns and evidence. And, and let me just finish off this by saying the reason that officers do these types of things is because they are under the pressure and under the gun to get numbers right Um, so i talked before about promotion getting on specialized teams and so many times the reason that they are uh, they can get access to promotions or get on specialized teams is because of the numbers that they have to produce uh, so therefore, they have to per- perform so many motor vehicle stops. How many guns are you getting off the street? How many uh, drugs, how much drugs are you finding on people? How many times are you searching cars? How many motor vehicle citations or summonses are you giving out? And this, this type of merit uh, mm-hmm. causes, causes uh, uh, the corruption that we see and causes, unfortunately, people pulling people over for, for the silliest of reasons and hoping, and, and hoping that they find something. And right. often too many times uh, in numerous cities in LAPD, it was just released. Uh, I read an article not too long ago, Chicago Police Department also, uh, where they are pulling people over, searching uh, black, black people, black people more and finding less than when they search white people. So, uh, mm-hmm. and this is a problem. Listen, I get it. I, I do, do, do get it. And as far as well, um, let me just ask you this, but who's watching these watchers? Because yeah. that's the issue that I'm that that you know we always hear. Oh, there's only a few bad apples, but yeah. you know if you leave a, a bad apple in a in a whole bag full of ripe ones, they're gonna corrupt all yeah. of you know the ripe ones in there. And my issue is that you know when when you see these videos that are released, 
um, and so, you know some of the footage that's released, you know the the, the cams or whatever. Um, the partner is there, or someone is there. It doesn't seem like they they step in and do anything to help um, bring the situation down. And sometimes they corroborate what this corrupt officer has said on their reports. So that to me makes them just as corrupt. And so like, who's watching the watchers here? Because it doesn't seem like there's any accountability, especially when it comes to black lives. And the few people who have been, the police officers of, of color are held to a higher standard. They get prosecuted more from what I see on, on the media than, than the white ones who are out here just running amok. So I, I just, that's my frustration is just it feels like there's no accountability and there's you know when something happens it's just like well what does it matter you know we can hashtag it all we want to but nothing's going to come from this that's just where i'm at right now with it yeah so so that's a good question who's watching the watchers uh it does take a lot of uh, intestinal fortitude uh for an individual officer despite their ethnic background or gender uh, to step up and say, hey, listen, we need to um, do the right thing here or don't do this or don't do that. Um, and unfortunately, the blue wall of silence is is real yeah. and strong. And um, so I think that the, that the bottom line is, is that people will go along to get along in many instances, and people will fill you out. I when I look back on my career, I can remember when I was a brand new rookie. I mean, I was on F or just barely off of FTO. And so that is when you sit with another officer and they kind of take you through the ropes and explain to you the, the ins and outs on the job and how to do paperwork and all that. And then after about, I think our FTO program at that time was between six to eight weeks. I can't remember. So then after that, I mean, you're a brand new officer, you're, you're a rookie. And so usually what I'm in my department, what they would have you do, even though you're off of FTO, uh, they would have you ride with a more senior officer. So I, I did my FTO, my field training on uh, first shift. Uh, and then I did my, and then when I got my assignment, I went to third shift. So when I went to third shift or the midnight shift, uh, I rode with another, a number of different officers and uh, just to get kind of my feet wet. And so these officers will fill you out, kind of ask you certain kind of questions. Now, I hate to, I hate to uh, bring up TV, but if you think about training day, uh, mm -hmm. uh, if you think about how Alonzo uh, treated that rookie, I forget his name in the movie, but whatever, um, Ethan, Ethan Hunt is, yeah. is his real name. If you think about how he treated him, um, he was feeling him out, seeing what you'll go along with, see what you won't go along with. Mm -hmm. And so that happens a lot or at least it certainly happened to me. And if you are the type of person who would keep quiet and things and, and let them know that you're going to do X, Y, and Z, uh, then they'll feel more emboldened to uh, take a more negative path uh, around you. Oh. Uh, I can say honestly that uh, no one did anything uh, as far as craziness when I was around. We, we Listen, I'm not going to say we didn't handle our business when it's time to handle business, but when the business was handled, it's over. Right. The, 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 there's no hitting people with cuffs on or we're not, we're not planting drugs on people. We're not going to yeah. going to lie in reports and all that kind of stuff. So to say that there's no good officers out there or, or people are, and I'm not saying that you're saying that yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm saying that, um, uh, th th sometimes there's that perception that they're all bad apples, right? Because if one police, and I agree with you that if one police officer sees someone do something and I'm covering up for him, that makes me just as much of a bad apple as the one who's doing, it. I agree with that. And so, uh, 
So I don't think that that is the, that is what I want to say. That, that's, that's not what's going on in the vast majority mm-hmm. of places. Uh, it's not my experience. Uh, I, I didn't see that when I, when I was a sergeant signing reports, uh, you know, we, we went to look for video and things like that. And if the report wasn't right, then I'm like, what's up with this? You know, so you have to, you have to um, have that own in, in personal integrity about yourself right. and who's watching them. Listen, unfortunately, it's good and bad where police officers are very autonomous in their in their abilities, right? Because some, like like I said, some officers are in one, two, three man departments when their backup is miles away, and so mm-hmm. um, so they have to be they have to have a certain amount of knowledge and skills and abilities about them. Um, but who's watching them when, when when corruption comes? Then that's a problem. And like I said, I think that we can root out a lot of corruption if we. Uh, and I'm not saying that there's a lot, but I'm saying there's corruption that we do see and the problems that we do see can be rooted out if we take away merit systems for promotions, merit systems for um, uh, getting on specialized units. I think that that would be a huge uh, benefit to to people. Well, you know, I just, I, I'm always trying to remain hopeful that it gets better. I definitely don't want um, my daughter to feel the same sort of loathing that I feel towards because I do it's just it's something that I feel I'm I'm not even going to apologize for because I feel like this is um there's just so much that happens and I and I don't want it to seem like I don't know that there are good police officers out there I do know that I just feel like this um it you know the the first police uh force was to catch runaway slaves there is a there is a legacy here how black people are viewed in this country like you said before and i it just it just is a gatekeeper of white supremacy that's what i feel about it well listen i'm not i am not going to sugarcoat it in any way i i certainly agree with you um and that's why i think that it's very important that we have shows like what you're doing to get us to understand this. Now, I didn't come into this, uh, you know, I was, let me just give a little bit more of my backstory if I can. Yeah. I, I came on, uh, when I say came on, I was a police officer, I became a police officer when I was 22 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've listened to a number of your episodes and like, and like we just said a little while ago, uh, we don't know what we don't know and we weren't educated in all this, right? I didn't know uh, about the history of, of of the police forces in America, right? So I, I take a... Um, uh, you know, the police academy gives you a little bit of a history, right? And so they talk about Robert Peel and Peeling it, what they call Peelian principles. I think there's like nine principles about community activism and professionalism and all this kind of stuff, which is, which is great. And that, and they start, Robert Peel was in England, right? So mm-hmm. he's talking about all that. But when you really start to dive into why Robert Peel, uh, which is where the term Bobby's comes in at uh, for the police officers in, in England, uh, why they talk about uh, how he uh, came up with these principles and why they developed this particular police force. You understand that they, these police forces were developed um, because of the situations they had going on in Ireland, you know, suppressing uh, the people in Ireland mm-hmm. and suppressing the, uh, the Indian uh, populations, right, in, in India. Right, so they didn't want the police, uh, the they did not want the military to do this type of suppression. So they wanted to develop some type of professionalized unit to do it. So that's where it started from, right? So, but you have to, you, they don't tell you that part. So I had to figure that part out. Okay, this is the real history of it. And of course we get here to America. Yeah, it's about slave catching and it's about keeping the Indians or the, or the Native Americans uh, at bay. 
So, so this is this is the history of what it is, and I understand that there is a history of of, of, gate, of the gatekeepers of white supremacy. I I, I totally get that, yeah. but I think that, like, like I said, shows like yours, uh, hopefully shows like mine, are going to tell people yeah. that listen, we don't have to continue this way of thinking. Um, and we can have black police officers who don't do this type of thing, or, or all police officers, really, right? All police officers should understand this, come to grips with it, come to terms with it, and say, listen, we're not going to try to keep this, this way of, of thinking anymore, and we're going to branch out and have a real community-oriented policing where everyone is treated the same. I actually do think that's possible, but I think the first step is, is acknowledging the history, understanding the history, and, de and de deciding and declaring that we're not going to do it anymore. And another point that I, that I neglected to bring up before is, is one of the reasons that police officers, again, white supremacy, when we talk about, um, when we look at what happened in Ferguson, right? Uh, Ferguson, Missouri was about the police department targeting African-Americans, targeting the African-American community specifically in order to boost up their revenue for the city coffers. Mm. So we have been used ever since we came to this country, really, as, as some type of financial means for, for, for the dominant population, whether it was slavery and then post-slavery, it was uh, Jim Crow by another name, right? Uh, uh, convict leasing and all this kind of stuff. And then once convict leasing's over in the 1940s or so, uh, then we get uh, mass incarceration. Uh, and then we get uh, Ferguson Police Department targeting African-American community. So it is a problem, and, but it, I don't believe that it's something we can't overcome. And black people need to need to uh, listen to this show and train their children to come up, and at least I would hope, to become police officers uh, and, and really kind of take over the system from within. We can do it. But if, if black people are, are so turned off and don't want to become police officers and don't want anything to do with them, then who's going to fill that void? Who, who's going who's gonna to fill it? Right, so we need more black officers who are certainly conscious as to what is going on. It has happened historically, more recently with Ferguson. And Ferguson's not the only city that has done it, in a, and there many others are still doing it today, targeting black yeah. people as far as pulling them over, uh, ticketing them, and giving them citations and all that. I mean, that's a really good point. I, you know, we do need to sometimes figure out how we can stand in that gap. And you know, the 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 horrible part is that um, even I don't know about you, and you don't have to speak to this if you don't feel comfortable, but I know that there have been other Black police officers who came out and they talked about the rampant racism within their departments and how they were targeted and how they felt like they couldn't come out and speak about this. And um, and I guess that's the hardest part, right? It's like, you know, there's we're walking through this life as Black people, having to endure all this racism, all these, all these you know, um, systemic oppression and disparities in the healthcare, healthcare community. And then, you know, we, people want to, you know, they're like, I want to make a difference. I'm come police officer. And then you get it there too. So it's just like, where are we safe? Can we yeah. be safe in the place where we're supposed to be safe? Um, same with the military, so much racism in there. And, yeah. and I know that that's really frustrating. It sucks to have to be the people that have to like put our bodies, you know, you know what I'm saying? Or our, our emotional well being on the line. But I don't know, maybe um, it's something that we, like you said, kind of become the dominant forces within the police community. So then we can um, outnumber, outnumber people <laughs> in so many words. Um, right. and, and hopefully that will foster some change.
or, or at least change the culture, right? If we mm-hmm. become chiefs and captains and let them know that we're not going to do this, and that's why it's, it's important that we become uh, city managers, mayors, city yes. councilmen, or whatever, right? We have to change the culture. If, if the city manager uh, is in, in his uh, legislature, for lack of a better term, the, the, you know, the council or whoever's running the city are saying we're going to, to target black people. Remember, they were, if you think about it, Ferguson, there were emails going on about this, right? This is how bold they yeah. were. Just, yeah. um, so, so if they don't take over, if black people are, are now I'm going, I'm not going to say kept out anymore because if we're not entering politics, not entering the police departments, not entering the medical field, if we're not doing these things, then, then it's shame on us at this point. Right, it's it's shame I mean, on us. There's a, still some there's still some disparity within being able to get into those. Oh, absolutely. I'm not saying I'm not I'm not saying it's easy, yeah. but I'm saying we are we. I mean, we have to win the elections, right? If we're going to run for office, we have to uh, you know, go to medical medical school, pass all the tests and all the and all this kind of stuff, uh, become police officers, and you still have to. I still had to pass uh, the 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 tests that were given uh, in front of me in order so that I could become a captain. So I'm not saying that it's easy. And, so, and I'm not saying that people aren't going to try to trip us up and stand in our way. But I am saying that we have to keep trying and keep pushing and, and be loud about it. So therefore we can make the, make the change from within. We don't have to necessarily outnumber them, but we should let them know that this practice of targeting African-Americans with, with emails is gonna to stop today. This, this uh, system that we're going to go out there and pull over uh, every black person that we see is over and that's mm-hmm. and that's and that's what it takes you know when i i was a captain i was actually acting captain for two years and then when i got promoted to captain i was a captain for two years so i was actually a you know in the captain rank for four years and I, i'm going to tell you that I, I can't i went to roll call and said and as a captain of my assignment was the midnight shift i was the midnight shift commander and then for a while i was the um uh, in, um, over internal affairs or for lack of better terms. So in my time, particularly as the uh, midnight shift commander, I, I went to roll call and said, listen, we're not going to do this. You're going to treat people the way that you want to be treated. And if I get, if I get calls and if I get uh, um, complaints, I'm going to come down on you hard. I'm going to look into this. I'm not going to tolerate that. And if you set the tone and set the right. attitude, right. then it's not going to happen. But again, let me go back and say, and I'm not just talking about law enforcement. I'm going to talk about the doctors uh, who who uh, who don't perform right, politicians who don't perform right. If you set the tone from the top and say this is this is what I'm going to expect, then that's what they're going that's what they're going to do. I mean, look at this. Pre- yeah. I, I know we don't want to get too political, but look at this present administration. That what's going on? It's it's a, a, um, the government administration. It's a complete mess. But <laughs> it's it's a complete mess. Okay. But 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 this comes from the top. This comes from the top. People are quitting. You got you got uh, uh, attorneys walking off the of cases. Why? Because there's a problem at the top. So th- mm. there's a problem at the top, and so that's what we have to get to. We have to get to the top. We have to get on the job. Don't be fr- afraid to become police officers. Don't be afraid to move up the ranks. Uh, and I'm not once again. I don't want to limit to police officers. I'm talking about politics. I'm talking about right. teachers, principals, and all that kind yeah. of stuff. No, I mean, when it comes to, I mean, this whole show is political, if you really think about it. Yeah. Um, and because we're changing the course, we're hopefully changing the way people think. And, and like you said, train their children up to think. So if you are raising, um, you know, decolonized children who have a, you know, a great sense of self-worth and understand um, the effects of colonization and systemic oppression, if they understand these things, hopefully they'll be moved to help change it. And I think 
you know, I talk about politics a lot on my page, um, especially local elections where, you, you know, you talk about your city managers and your mayors and like these people have so much more control like of, of the laws and everything going on in, in your everyday life than the president does. Yet for some reason we don't, you know, we as in America, um, the United States of America does not show up for local elections. And there are some of the most important things that we could ever show up for. Um, judges, you know what I'm saying? all these elected officials that people don't understand are elected officials. If you want to see some changes, we got to start showing up to vote. We got to start, um, like you said, trying to get some, get in on these, some of these positions and from the top down change things um, for future generations. We cannot just let things just, we're tired, understand it's, it's tired of fighting, but um, fighting over, unfortunately it's not. Um, and it's not going to be over until, and I don't even know when it's going to be over, honestly. <laughs> I can't even finish that sentence. Because, you know, as Black people, we don't have full control over white supremacy, right? Like, we are we can't eradicate that. But what we can do is get in positions, like you said, to control sort of like the flow, ebb and flow of policy and, the, and that kind of thing. Duncan is here to keep you running with a much-needed taste of normal. To work home or work from home with the coffee you like just the way you like it. Whether that's a small hot black coffee, your daily 2 p.m. latte, or a bacon, egg, and cheese croissant and a medium iced coffee with oat milk, one sugar, two pumps of caramel, one pump hazelnut, a swirl of French vanilla, and a shot of espresso. I call it my p.m. pep rally. You should really try it. Whatever it is that gets you running, Dunkin's got you and always will. America runs on Dunkin'. I think it's a, I think it's a real shame that you know, white supremacy has has dug into the minds of people where they think that to give one person something means I'm taking it away from you, right? It's so, individualism. That's part of colonization yeah. is rugged. You'll, and we're seeing this today. You know, right. we're right. recording this on the 15th of March, um, uh, you know, with all this Rona, the Rona virus. <laughs> right. Um, Rage and Rona is what I called her today. Uh, just going around <laughs> and we are seeing um, the effects of this this attitude of the United States of rugged individualism. This is also a byproduct of uh, colonization because community is is big in, you know, on the motherland <laughs> in indigenous cultures. Community is what kept people together. It's what kept uh, people fed and we took care of each other. But all that gets stripped from you when uh, colonization happens. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, I, I mean you're you're certainly right. Um, you're certainly right. I I actually forgot my train of thought. But, but you're, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, y'all. <laughs> no, but you're but you're but you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. Well, let's kind of segue this in because you're a father. You raised some children. I did. And um, <laughs> and. You know, being a police officer and a father, did you find that they're like, did you speak to your children about, uh, about this? Um, I don't think that I would have done, I think I would have done a better job of it if I had not been a police officer. Um, I, I didn't talk to them. I mean, when my sons got older, uh, you know, by older, I mean 17 or so. Uh, you know, he wants to go to parties and things like that. So it was at that time that I really kind of talked to him and really kind of let him know what was going on. And he comes home one night, I think maybe he was a little bit older, 17, 18, and him and his couple of his boys came in the house and they're upset. I'm like, you know, what's going on? 
Mm-hmm. So he tells me what about what's going on. So what happened was he uh, and his friends were at some house party, and I guess it got too loud, and the police show up. And I'm working at the time. I was not retired. So they get there. The cops get there, and they start asking everyone for IDs. So so he gets um, – so I absolutely train him to be respectful. And uh, so he gets the IDs and stuff. And so he's noticing that how they're being talked to. Like, you know, what the F are you guys doing here? And, and this, that, and the other. And so, and so once he gives him his ID, right, and my son's got the same name as I do, then they're like, oh, uh, 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 and then they give it back to ID back to him. They all took off. <laughs> wow. So, uh, so, so, you know, I was kind of entertained by that. And uh, I actually went to work the next day and was kind of waiting for this guy to talk to me. And he never did. I mean, even to this point, he never did say, hey, listen, I pulled your son over or whatever. Uh, so he never did. But what the, what the important thing about that was, I actually went outside to the kids and it was two or two, I can't remember, two or three other of his friends. So they're all sitting in the car. So I went to them and I had to talk with them. Uh, about how, to t- how the cops are going to do you sometime and you probably did not get the same treatment because uh, of, of my name. And I, I kind of, you know, told them about how to conduct themselves. Yes or no, sir. Take down badge numbers. Remember uh, the cars and all that kind of stuff. And he asked, my son actually came to me the next day and said, dad, you know, these guys, nobody ever talked to him about this before. And so they really wanted to tell me thank you. Um, so so I, I think that... I did not do the best, and I'm going to be self-critical of myself. I, I, there's certain, there's so much more I could have done, but I didn't see, I didn't see, I didn't see really a need for it because I knew that, I, you know, when my kids get older, they're able to drive. I say, okay, well, listen, you ever get stopped, you know, tell them that you're the son of a, of a police officer and this, that, and the other. Um, but now that I think about it, that really isn't the right thing because what if you're not the son of a police officer or the son of a mayor or the son of a judge or or whatever? Um, you still should be treated with dignity and respect uh, regardless. Right, yeah. And, 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 you know, no one wants to have this talk. It's such a difficult talk to have. I think even just explaining to your child that you can't do certain things you know if you're if your friends are hopping over fences and you know just doing things that kids do our kids can't be kids you know and having that conversation is a hard one because you don't want to scare them you don't want to scar them you want them to be carefree and liberated and you want them to feel like they can just play like their friends you know but fortunately that's just not reality so there's always this fine line that we have to as black parents like sort of walk like how do we how do we give them this information that they really need, right? They, they really need to understand how this world works without burdening them with this information and making it heavy for them, you know? I don't know how to do that yet, y'all. I'm, I really don't. I have a two-year-old. We haven't had to have any of these conversations yet, <laughs> you know? So I don't know how to have them. Um, I'm hoping that through these sort of conversations with people like you, Lawrence, like, you know, I can help parents figure this out because it's so hard. Um, people in my group always talk like, how do I start having this conversation? What do I tell them? And so what are, you know, some of the things that you think black parents should tell their children when it comes to the police? Yeah, I think that number, number one, uh, I, should, I think that we should tell them to be respectful. And I, I don't think that because someone puts on a uniform uh, means that their humanity or their uh, level of respect should go away. If stopped for whatever reason, comply, get badge numbers, videotape if you can, um, answer the questions, and don't give them 
a reason to escalate the situation. Un ask why you're being stopped. Did I commit something wrong? Did I do something wrong? There's nothing wrong with any of that. Um, hopefully the officers are now understanding that they need to answer those questions. You can't you just can't say because I told you to, because I'm checking something out. You know, not, that doesn't fly anymore. And mm -hmm. truth be told, it never should have flown before. Um, so in, uh, if you're driving um, for the older kids, 16, 17 year old, make sure that your car is in order. Uh, license, registration, insurance, make sure you know where everything is, seatbelts on, uh, you know, know the laws and rules. If, if the police officers in your uh, city are harping on people who have tinted windows, don't drive around with tinted windows. Um, as you just said, rightly, there's some things that other people can do that we just can't yeah. do. Um, and so we have to, to obey the law. So I, 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 as a blanket statement, I would say be respectful. And if you think that you're being wronged, uh, you know, just take down badge numbers, uh, names, car numbers, remember what street you're on, the time of day, try to get a mental description of what the uh, officer uh, is wearing or was saying uh, to the best of your ability. I, I don't see any point in antagonizing anyone. Uh, I, don't see, I don't see any point in police officers antagonizing the people that they're interacting with. And I don't see any point in antagonizing the police officers. I don't, it, yeah. it doesn't go anywhere. And it, and it continues to, to erode this, this, this uh, relationship that we that we have like it or not the police aren't going anywhere i know people right. want to get rid of the police and we, we can change the culture but but everyone has to change okay so for instance you know when that whole incident with with mike brown it started when the police officer drove past him and told told him to get the f onto the sidewalk right and i think that's what's hard for me is is just um I feel like for the most part, you know, if somebody's coming up to my window, they're asking me a question and, you know, they're just asking me questions. My attitude ain't bad. Yeah. But, you know, a cop just coming to my, pulling me over and coming to my car, I'm just, I'm not going to necessarily be friendly, but I will just be like, you know, how can I help you? And I definitely don't, I definitely agree that we should not be antagonizing literally anyone. Like no one deserves to be antagonized. Um, I think the hard part comes when, um, when you feel you're being completely disrespected, when there's language, threats, it's like, why are we, why are we held to a higher standard? We're still human beings, right? So if someone is cussing me out, I'm supposed to just be calm. It's hard for me. Yeah. Well, I, I don't, I don't disagree with that. And I'm not saying, and I'm not going to, to make any type of excuse uh, for police misbehavior. Hopefully the days are gone and hopefully they never return, even if cell phones, you know, we get a major reset to the stone ages somehow. <laughs> uh, you know, that's, this is why the culture has to change. And as long as yeah. we talked about uh, the, the way that we are seen in this society, you know, why does, why do officers think that they can just drive by and tell people to get the F on the sidewalk? They, they would not do that in certain other neighborhoods. They wouldn't do it. And that is the problem where they think that it's okay. And it's been okay because the higher ups and by higher ups, I mean the district attorneys, mm -hmm. because of the mayors, the city council members, everyone said it's okay. And as we said before, they're gatekeepers of this certain way. And they, and these people need to be talked to like this. And I know if I do it, there's going to be no repercussions. Mm -hmm. Con contrast that with if I go into the nicer end of town and drive by some kid's house and tell him to get the F on the sidewalk. I, I can guarantee that lawyers and doctors and, and will be out, will be at the police station filing complaints. And so this has to change. I mean, I agree with you. It has to change. Um, 
So I don't have the answer. Well, actually, I do have the answer. The answer is we have to move up in society, uh, become those lawyers and doctors and, and store owners who have uh, wealth and all that kind of stuff and complain and complain and complain. Because people are going to do things until we force them to stop. Right. We're going to, and, yeah, we got to definitely. What mobilize. does Frederick Douglass say? Uh, power concedes nothing without without a demand. So you yeah. we have to we have to have that demand about ourselves. So, yeah, no, I mean, and, and you know, my mom, remember her, she when Sandra Bland happened, um, you know, she told me she was like, I'm scared for you because she knows how I feel. Right. And she knows how um, she's like, I just want you to come home safe. And, I, and that's all parents want is for their children to come home safe they get stopped you just you just you know if they come home with the story like man i got stopped by the police you're just thankful they made it home right so we definitely want to make sure that when we are talking to our children about how to deal with the police that we i think there's a balance um of hey just make sure you're respectful make sure you're not antagonizing make sure that that you're not doing anything to escalate the situation like you said but also advocating for your rights. No, they cannot search your car without a warrant. They can only search what they can see. They can't go into your like your glove department and inside, you know, and inside your stuff. Like you have to know your rights um, and be able to tell them that you know your rights because you will get tried. You will get, you know, oh, let me just, I saw, I mean, I used to watch cops before I didn't like cops. I used to watch, <laughs> that used to be my show. <laughs> now I can't watch it. Now I'm just cussing. And so it was, I, you see all the time, it was just like, oh, do you mind if we just search inside your car real quick? And, and they would always find something. Just, you can say no. You can just be like, no, you cannot search my car. <laughs> yeah. So, so there's, a, there's that, uh, that pressure about them where they didn't think that people could say no people people today will think that they can't say no exactly you, you know? have to know your rights and you can tell them you know your rights so this this for parents i really implore you i think it's um colin colin kaepernick has a website that will tell you how to you know educate your children about their rights when they're speaking to the police um and i think you know advocating it's called the know your know your rights camp <laughs> advocating for yourself when you come in contact with police who are trying to exert power and pressure on you when you feel like you've done nothing wrong there's nothing wrong with that you can do that respectfully you can just be like no i you know no you cannot come to my car and i agree with that i agree with that yeah and and i think that the again let me just just emphasize this i'm very big on this because even though it's the individual officer who's doing it at this point in time, again, why is he doing that? Because he's under the pressure to get numbers. He's under the pressure of the city to, to find, to get tickets. Um, so that's what has to change. If, and I'm not saying police officers should just go there just go to work for eight hours and do nothing. Uh -huh. But when we put that type of pressure on people that you're not going to get promoted, you're not going to get on this team. You're not going to become part of the special narcotics team. If you don't do this kind of stuff. Now that's, that's a majority of the reason, not the only, only reason some, there are some officers who just want to hunt and go out to work and just trying to try to find things. And so this, this becomes very problematic and, you know, and uh, so that's why uh, I, I want people to understand that this is when we vote. And as you said, we've become very political. Uh, politically astute. This is this is why voting matters. This is why it matters. It's because you have to understand what the political culture of your city, your town is, and what what is it that the mayor expects from his police officers? Does the mayor want community oriented policing? Does I, I can tell you that definitely from the city that I was in. Our our mayor was a former uh, police uh, chief, and he started a program called well he revived and exploded our program called the Police Activity League. 
Um, and so that was his whole thing about community orientation, uh, uh, getting the community to be in lockstep with the police. And that's why we didn't have a lot of problems. Even when we had something happen that was, you know, fairly questionable, uh, we didn't have the blowups that other people had because we had uh, such a, 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 a community um, Co co cohesiveness with the police department. And so that's very important. So when you don't have that and you got people getting roughed up all over town and the, the cops just come in as an occupying force and they're doing this at the direction of the mayor and the, and the political body and with the uh, backing of the district attorney, then this is where you get all this craziness that happens at. So you have to, we have to change those, those structures. We have to change those structures. I agree. I, I'm definitely, I'm a very big advocate for making sure you go out and vote for, um, and for, and for doing the research before you even go out and vote. Who are these people? What are the policies they've supported? I, as much as I am rooting for everybody black, I also make sure that even, even with black candidates that I'm doing my research because all skin folk ain't kin folk y'all. And Most definitely, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> ben Carson. You know, you know? Ben, is, ben, ben is so Ben is so disappointing to me. Now I'm sure you probably have watched the video that he did years ago, um, uh, and when he talked about Black History Month and the importance of it, and uh, you know he t he ran down from the top of his head. He ran down all the different Black pioneers and entrepreneurs. If nobody's ever seen that, go and Ben go to you YouTube this. And and to see that Ben Carson, who was so pro-black, and to see this Ben Carson today, is money. Like, what the heck happened? For the love of money. <laughs> that's what happened. Money, clout. That that that's what changes. And this again, this is this is an effect of colonization. And and what happens when capitalism and money over everything is the driving force in people's lives? You know, um, we have to take care of each other. There needs to be someone that does keep order. And, and that's a part of a community. There's always sort of like some kind of security in a, in a community. I just, I just hope and pray that one day things do change, that we have this, this whole insidious white supremacy pollutant of the earth is gone and eradicated. <laughs> I mean, if you think about everything that, a lot of stuff that happens can be traced back to white supremacy. It is insidious. It's something that we need to make sure that we understand. And it's something that we need to make sure our children understand so they don't fall into the traps of a colonized mind. Just as a question, um, do you think, this is kind of a chicken or egg kind of question, mm -hmm. do you think that white supremacy came first or ca capitalism came first? Which, which one? I think that is chicken or egg because when they came here, it was for riches. Well, some of them were. A lot of them were also um, religiously oppressed and came here to seek um, religious freedom and some of them were prisoners and were brought to the Americas to like serve out prison terms. I would say white supremacy came first and then when they, you, you get here and you're all the possibilities you know in front of you like man this is a whole new world create what I want with it it became capitalism and white supremacy are kind of like bosom buddies at this point it's like bedfellows that was a, that was a really long tangent so back <laughs> well, well to the podcast <laughs> um I always ask people at the end of my podcast, like, what do you feel is decolonizing parenting? Yeah, that's a good question. I knew you were going to ask me that too. I listened to the other podcasts. Um, I had a person on my podcast, Philippe Shock Matthews. Uh, he said that black, there's nothing wrong with black people. Something happened to black people. Mm -hmm. And so um, I, I, I completely wholeheartedly agree with that sentiment. Um, what we see going on today, 
I mean, this is the product of, of, of us not understanding who we are, where we came from and what happened to us. So I, I, once again, I'm going to say, I applaud you for trying to get people to understand that there's a better way. There's a more communal way uh, rather than this rugged, rugged individualism. And we need to get rid of some of the thoughts and the ideas uh, that have been programmed on us. And if I could suggest any book, uh, I really think that uh, people ought to read uh, The Miseducation of the Negro. Mm. Um, and I think that, that that was one of the books that really opened my eyes. There have been a lot uh, that I've read, but that book really get, got me to understand how miseducated I have been concerning history, black history, psychology, and all this kind of stuff. So I, I, once again, I applaud you for what you're doing. Oh, thank you. Lawrence, I really appreciate you um, for coming on the show. And can you just tell, I'm going to put all this in the show notes, but can you tell people how to find you? Sure. So I have a website. It's hunterpolicetraining.com. Uh, it's part of LMH Police Training and Consulting uh, Services. Uh, I have a consultant, life coach, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, so that's that's my main business right now. And I also, my podcast is called Captain Hunter's Podcast. That's also on the website. And uh, that's on just about anywhere that the podcasts are available, uh, Apple Podcasts or whatever it's called, iTunes, Apple, whatever it's called. Now. <laughs> I can't ever keep up. <laughs> uh, Google sound Play. Real old right now. I know, right? Right? right. I, I know. Apples. I, and I hear, I hear myself saying, I'm like, oh man, what is, what is this TikTok? What, what, what is this? Oh man. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah. So I'm also on uh, Twitter and Instagram. All of those are CPTL Hunter um, and what have you. Well, thank you again for joining me for this conversation and being open to it. And I'll, and again, I'll make sure to uh, put all his information in the show notes and yeah, that'll be all for today. Y'all please make sure to, Leave a rating review. Tell me what you thought about this in, on, on Facebook. And thank you for joining me.